Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Uh, having healing for today. So that's the, the, the main focus, healing for today. And I just want you uh, to, uh, if you've missed any of the sessions, this is part seven. If you missed any of them, a number of them were on Sundays. And then we switched to both Sundays and Wednesdays. The last few weeks have been Sundays and Wednesdays. So uh, you might say, oh, man, I saw uh, less or session five uh, or s session seven this on Sunday. But I missed uh, the last session uh, on last Wednesday or whatever. So you can check it out whether you missed a Sunday or Wednesday. Go on Lighthouse Niagara, either the website or also on YouTube. All right. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 20. And uh, we're, we're going to be looking at a few verses out of 2 Kings 20. We've been talking about Hezekiah. We've been talking about uh, the, some of the things that, that he did um, in changing the course of the kingdom. And I want you to know that we as kings and priests, together they work together. The kings and the pre the king ordered or had the priests uh, reestablished, appointed the ones the, the priests that that were serving uh, other gods. They were they were in the northern kingdom, were taken uh, captive. Uh, I think in the third or fourth year or so of King Hezekiah's rule. And um, so they were taken out of the, the way. The, the most of them were taken into captivity. Uh, so King Hezekiah, uh, also from his father, his father's rule, he, his father Ahaz was a, a wicked king. And he, he basically, there was worship. Uh, these were, so children of God worshiping uh, other gods, and so some of the, the the worship that was going on was was so extreme and disgusting, uh, sexually and immorally, and also uh, uh, human sacrifice, ch uh, babies babies being uh, given over uh, f to be burned, and uh, these were all to appease the gods. And so a lot of wickedness. And King Hezekiah uh, was the best king from David uh, that served. There, was, there were no others. And he made some amazing changes uh, and got rid of the things that were not of the Lord. And let me just say this. It says, it talks about the fact that he prospered. The th he, in the things that he did, he prospered. And I want to say to you, uh, even though there may be opposition, and we're going to be talking about that on, on Sunday, uh, when you choose to serve the Lord with all your heart, the Lord will bless. And yet, yes, the, the enemy may come against you, and, and we deal with those things, but uh, there is a, a, a prospering that uh, takes place as we choose to uh, put the Lord first in our lives. And the impact is not just for ourselves or our own family, but extends beyond uh, us. And so we need to recognize that. So 
just before I, we, I read this passage or get into this passage in 2 Kings uh, chapter 20, I, I want to tie it in also with the Gospels. And I, you've heard me say already a number of times that the Gospels have a different focus of who Jesus is, a different aspect of Jesus and who Jesus should be in our life. And so last Wednesday talked about the fact that Jesus, we, we talked about who Jesus is uh, in John and what he emphasized, Jesus being Savior. And also we talked about Matthew and the focus. We, we got into that. Uh, I had to cut it short a little bit, but got into th the fact that Matthew or Matthew focuses on Jesus being Lord. I made an interesting comment uh, on Sunday as well regarding that last Wednesday night lesson, that uh, if you want to have uh, the bulk of your issues taken care of as a believer, let Jesus be Savior. And not just initially, when you first came to the Lord, you were saved because of who Jesus was to you regarding your sin and taking care of your sin on the cross. And it was a confession of sin. It was a confession of Jesus Christ and the faith in who he was to you, the fact that he died on a cross for you. And there was a receiving of Christ into your life. And as a result of that, there was new life that came. And that, that happened the moment that you confessed with your mouth and you believed in your heart. And there were these changes that took place in you. And maybe you maybe wandered away or you came back. But th the moment we, we get to that place of faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, it is not just for the initial salvation, but that the Lord would be Savior each and every day. So whatever you may be going through, that there would be uh, uh, the recognition that the power and the wisdom of God flow through who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The bulk of that, the last half of that passage, talks about the power and the wisdom of God that comes through even just the message of the cross and faith in the message. That'll solve a lot of your problems, especially where you stand before the Lord. The just shall live by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. Now you might say, Pastor, why are you going over this with me? I'm saying to you that the Lord wants to minister, not just to you. He wants to minister through you the full gospel of Jesus. That's why the four gospels emphasize different points. So the Lord wants to minister through each and every one of us, Jesus as Savior. For people to get saved initially but to, to function on a daily basis uh, that I am in right standing. So many people are so caught up with, man, I'm just ah, I'm struggling with, with temptation and sin because their faith has shifted off of who Jesus is. It's shifted back onto themselves and them being a good person. You can't do it. So your faith is in yourself. Let your faith be in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Secondly, uh, from last last Wednesday was the focus of Jesus Christ as Lord. If Jesus is not Lord in your life, it's because you're struggling with submission and you're struggling with obedience. And usually it's because you want to hang on 
to control of your life or not let go of certain areas of your life, sin in your life. And so Jesus is not Lord in your life. And as a result, you're having difficulty. The obedience, as, we, as the Holy Spirit comes, as the word of the Lord comes to us, and he says, hey, do this, don't do this. These are areas where the Holy Spirit is convicting. These are good things. Get rid of those things, those sins that so easily beset you, and run the race without any hindrance, with, without any encumbrance, without any weights. And uh, so this aspect of Jesus being a Savior is f for when you first come to the Lord. It's for where you are today to make it through every day, and then also uh, for tomorrow, the next day, for all eternity, uh, Jesus, let him be Lord, or let him be Savior, and let him be Lord in your life. I will say that 75, 80% of the issues that you may have will suddenly start falling off, just with those two things. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, healing, and this is a focus of Mark, and um, uh, Jesus as servant healer, and just want you to know that there was always a combining of the gospel with the healing that took place, even with Jesus. So when Jesus was ministering, there was a, uh, a speaking of the kingdom of God and coming into the kingdom of God through uh, repentance and f faith in the gospel. And there was ministry with for, for healing uh, of every sort. So whether it was... Uh, uh, and we'll talk about that, whatever it may be. So uh, we're, we're finishing up the four different Gospels. Sunday was about uh, the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus, Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I didn't say this too much on Sunday, but if you want to have help in loving the Lord and loving your neighbor, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. There will be a much deeper concern for your neighbor, to love your neighbor. There will also be a deep concern uh, to love the Lord, to be a witness unto Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that you will be witnesses unto me, wherever you may go. And uh, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, is something, if you have not received, uh, that you go to Jesus. He is the one that baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. All right, Second uh, Kings chapter 20 from verse 1. It says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. Just let, you, let me give you an uh, illustration or an indication of, of how old he was. He, was, uh, he started uh, his ministry or his king, uh, kingship at 25 years of age. And about 14 years later, he is at this point of death. 39 years of age. That's young. Even then, it was young to be dying. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall, turned away from all the things of wealth, the riches, the power, the accomplishments. He turned away from that, and it was just... This wall, he's turning to the wall and prayed to the Lord saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, 
how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight, the things that he had done. He's not saying that he was, he was perfect, but he's saying There's, there are things that I have done for you. And it says, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. When it comes to facing death, oftentimes there is this thing of, of looking inward and uh, recognizing uh, where you are, especially spiritually. And that's a good thing. We need to recognize for those that don't know the Lord, it is appointed unto man once to die, or to die once, but after this, the judgment. This is what it says in Hebrews 9.27. Verse 28 says, So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. We need to, in this, this thing of healing, uh, one of the aspects definitely is, is spiritual, or to, to look at where is a person spiritually. To die without the Lord is to spend an eternity apart from him. So we need to, especially those that are dying, uh, we need to get to them if we can, if they don't know the Lord, and speak to them. It's interesting that in the book of, or the, the second Kings 20, there's 11 verses that are, are given towards us, yet in the, in, the, in the Chronicles, which is from the priests, there's only a few verses given. But they shed a light onto why he was sick. It says in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 24, it says, In those days Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him and gave, and gave him a sign. So, he, so, the Lord, he, so he prayed to the Lord, and he, the Lord, spoke to Hezekiah and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. So from this passage, does anybody have any idea of, of why there was wrath looming over him from this passage? Hezekiah, Second Chronicles 32, 25. Any idea? We can, I don't know if we can put that back up on the screen. Can we put that on the screen, verse 25, the second part of it, or even the first part of it? Let me read it again. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. What does that mean? Sorry? Pride. So you, you need to recognize that, man, other passages talk about what Hezekiah did, and as a result of cleaning up all the garbage and all the idols and the high places and taking, tearing them down, getting rid of, of everything that had to do with, uh, that his father had, had done, he got rid of it all. The priests that were in these temples, these uh, male prostitutes, were, they were, there was prostitution taking place in these temples that were in the high places, and so he got rid of everything. Got rid of it, all, all the idols. He got rid of it. And the Lord blessed Hezekiah and Jerusalem and uh, Judah. And so there was this pride of, of, man, 
look at what we've accomplished. And as a result, uh, there was a wrath looming over him, over Judah and Jerusalem. In verse 26, so there's, because of this pride, and, and, and they were prospering. The Lord was blessing them as a kingdom. It says, then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. He and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so they humbled themselves for this pride, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. So it didn't impact them in their lives. You know, oftentimes, even when we, it comes to doing the right thing, we, we sometimes there's a spiritual pride that takes place. Look at what I've accomplished spiritually, or I had a part in this. And there's this thing of pride that comes in. And, and so sometimes the things that we do, uh, there's this thing of looking at self and, and ourselves being puffed up. We need to acknowledge the Lord in our life the good things in our lives, and even in the difficult times, to acknowledge the Lord and say, Lord, thank you that you are keeping me even in the difficult times. It says, Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him. The Lord blessed them even beyond uh, what, he, what he maybe deserved or, or not, but there was blessing, and it says he did not repay. There was maybe not the acknowledgement of what the Lord had done and because of him his heart was lifted up for his pride this is what I've got accomplished rather that there would be an acknowledgement acknowledge the Lord in your life in every aspect this is what the Lord has done the goodness of the Lord in my life it was not just him but also the people of Judah and Jerusalem and they humbled themselves and there was an amazing thing that happened it says, and it, and it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord. So we are talking a very quick turnaround from this message, get ready, be prepared, you're going to die. And I don't know how long, it sounds like Isaiah was not there long and on his way out, as he's going through the middle court, the Lord already, and, and so the, the actions of Hezekiah very quickly as he humbled, he was sincere in his uh, uh, coming before the Lord. He was sincere and he, he humbled himself before the Lord. And the Lord says, Has, uh, Isaiah, go back. Go back. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, not Ahaz, your father, David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. So within three days, there is going to be a complete turnaround from death, and you will be able to go to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. And so he... He, was, he added another 15 years onto his life. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of King of, Syri of, of, of Assyria, and I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Now listen, actually this chapter 20 of Kings is a little bit out of order. So to keep the flow of the narrative in chapter 
uh, 18 or 19, where there's an attack from the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, I believe. Uh, so he's coming against, and there's, there's a mouthing, uh, the things that the king is saying and the army is saying, uh, the commander is saying, uh, like with that here, he's also uh, on, on facing death. Like this guy ha had everything coming against him. And the Lord is saying, I'm going to extend your life and I'm also going to deal with, with that army that's out there. 185,000. And just so you know, that's, that's more than four times the size of our <laughs> our Canadian army. Like this was a, a fairly significant force. And it, I don't even think it was the whole entire Assyrian force. They probably had a, a million men. And uh, so they're just sending down this contingent of 185,000 men uh, to, to wipe out or come against uh, King Hezekiah and uh, the southern kingdom. So... And it happened that before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came. And so we read, read that. You're going to have life. I'm going to take care of the king. And then uh, Isaiah said, take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil. So this boil must have been uh, inf uh, infect or infected and was, he was becoming toxic. In his body, he was, he was dying. And he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what is the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? Then Isaiah said, this is the sign to you from the Lord. If the Lord will do the thing which he has spoken, shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go backwards 10 degrees? Now, how, what makes a shadow? Huh? The sun. The sun makes a shadow, and as the earth turns... And this, the sun is, has its own course, and the earth is, is sort of is spinning as well. And uh, so every, every hour, every minute, there's a shifting of the sun or the shade. And so there's a sign, and Hezekiah answered, it's an easy thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. But no, let the shadow go backward 10 degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord and he brought the shadow 10 degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. So it actually went backwards. So there would have been perhaps this, either the sun, there's a thing with the sun, or there was a, a, a stopping. I don't know, maybe it was the sun. If, if the whole earth rotation would stop spinning and turn the other way, it might have impacted too much. So maybe it was the sun actually being put back uh, 10 degrees. Now, here is, is healing that took place by the Lord. It was the Lord that did the healing, but through the word of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord does the work of healing. We, we can't heal anybody, or uh, it is the Lord that does the work of healing. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it is about us speaking healing. Um, but we can get a glimpse of it already in Mark 16. So Jesus, uh, when it comes to this royal priesthood that we are, is to minister healing to others. The Lord desires for you and I, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be the pastor. It doesn't have to be the elders. That can be part of it in church or to call on the pastor and the elders to anoint with oil. 
but it can also be according to Mark 16. So you tell me, what is it that we need to do so that we can uh, heal the sick? You tell me. Listen up. This is verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as he sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. All right, so as children of God, as you follow him, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out, according to this word, and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So the Lord confirmed the word that was spoken to them with these signs that he had mentioned would take place. So the question is this, what is it that we need to do so that when we lay hands on the sick, they, they will recover? In Jesus' name, and what else? So it says, believe those that believe. Those that believe. So the believing is in what? What do we believe? Okay, so he said, well, let me just read what comes before that. It says, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So these, these signs will follow those who believe. So the believing is in what? Sorry? In the gospel. It's in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, which is the gospel of Jesus is Jesus Christ and him crucified for our sins, for us to have life. So if we believe in the gospel, as we believe in the gospel, in Jesus' name, in my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So, do you need to be a pastor or an elder to, to pray for the sick? No. You don't have to be in church. You just need to believe in the fact that he died for us. And we're going to read uh, in 1 Peter 2.24. It says, and the ministering is by Jesus or because of Jesus. It says, who himself bore our sins. So he took our sins upon his own body on the tree or on the cross, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Were healed. Now, there, there's a whole contingent of individuals or even denominations that would say that just has to do with spiritual, the spiritual aspect of it. It is only to take care of the sins. It, it's not talking about healing. It's not talking about the healing that comes by his broken body and shed blood for us. That's only sin that he's dealing with. So they'll say, that's why a lot of people or, or churches, they don't pray for the sick because that's not for today. That's for, that was for that time, but it's not for today. Let me tell you, and we're going to go back to Isaiah, who 
expands on this, and I just, Isaiah, I'm, I'm, become, I, I'm coming to appreciate him so much. Like, man, what a great man of God to have available by, by the king and even the priests to have Isaiah, and he covered four, even Ahaz, his, uh, Hezekiah's father, who was wicked, he covered during that time as well, and it was warning. But here, let's look what it says in Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is smack dab in the middle of the New Testament of this book of Isaiah, which has how many chapters? The same number of books that there are in the Bible. 66 chapters, and there is a complete shift in chapter 39, after 39, from 40 to 66, 27 chapters, if you include chapter 40, there are 27 chapters. So 39 chapters, like in the Old Testament, but in the last 27 chapters, starting in chapter 40, what a beautiful switch. And in the middle of those 27 chapters, it's an odd number, the, the middle chapter of those 26 is chapter 53, which is kind of amazing. In the middle, is right dead smack in the middle, the middle chapter of this New Testament in Isaiah is Isaiah 53. And it says, I think it's, yeah, verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs, or he is lifted up to take away. This thing of uh, bearing our, uh, our griefs is to lift up. He took upon himself to take away from you. Surely he has borne our griefs. This word griefs is sickness. And he's carried our sorrow. Our sorrows, is, which is pain, both physical and mental. These are the, the words in the, the Hebrew. So griefs are sickness, uh, sorrows are physical and mental pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, which is sin against God or sin against others. He was bruised or crushed for our iniquities, our, our perversity, our depravity, our tendency towards something. That's an iniquity. It's underneath. When you get a bruise, there's bleeding underneath your, your skin, your flesh, and it's bleeding underneath. And so these things, these tendencies that we have that underlie us uh, or our behavior and even our depravity, our tendency towards something that's not of the Lord, he was bruised for those things. So we have a number of things being taken care of. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And the word peace here in the, in the Hebrew is shalom. You've heard that word, shalom, which is completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. So completeness, completeness in number, safety, soundness in body, welfare, health, and prosperity. So there's this aspect of our financials. Uh, there's also pre, uh, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, which has to do with our mental and emotional state uh, and also around us. It also has to do with friendship, 
with God, especially in covenant relationship. So not just uh, friendship, uh, uh, well, it is with other people, so human relationships. So the peace includes the aspect of relationship. For the, ch the chastisement for our peace was upon him. So we're talking about every aspect of our, uh, our existence. Praise God. And by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. That the stripes, the bruises, the, the, the actual wounds uh, that came from the whipping and the, the, the nails, the blows on his body uh, by the, the, the whips, the scourging and the, the beating on him. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. Healed as in literally. Not just figur figuratively, literally. So there's wholeness. In the New Testament, it says, by whose stripes you were healed. Uh, in the Old Testament, it would say, by stripes you are healed. We are healed. In 1 Peter 2.24, you were healed. It's already happened. So Isaiah's looking forward. You are healed. You have it, that healing. And they're looking forward to the cross. We're looking back at the cross, by whose stripes you are healed, or you were healed. It's already been done. It's available for you. So physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial, spiritual wholeness for the, for the individual. That's for us to minister to others. James 5 verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick to save a suffering one from perishing, suffering from disease, to make well, heal, restore to health, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, so there's this aspect of saving the sick, healing, restoring to health. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So there's also this, this spiritual end of things. Is anyone among you suffering? This is James 5.13. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In John 16, Jesus, before he left the planet, said, Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice. So this is before he went to the cross. And your joy no one will take from you. And in that day, when I come back to life, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So this aspect of in the name of Jesus. So there's a healing that's available, physical, spiritual, every aspect, there's a healing. Now, one of the things... Uh, that that Hezekiah had issue with, his issue was pride. So we have to check if there's pride uh, of self. But there's another area that is really detrimental to the believer and to the unbeliever. And I want to mention this today because this is something that you may, when you're dealing, when you are ministering to somebody, 
is to check where they're at spiritually. You can check where they're at spiritually. Hey, you know what? Jesus wants to heal you. And not just physically. The order of it does not matter. Can you imagine you pray for a person that is an unbeliever, they're healed instantly, and you say, you know what, you can have spiritual healing as well, that you can have right relationship with God. Do you think that they might listen to you after they've just been healed? That there would be a, a, that to believe, I, I believe in what Je who Jesus is, what he did for me on the cross, and I believe in the power of his name. So in Jesus' name, I, I pray, speak healing to whatever this, this person is, what they're going through, I speak healing to them. If they're not a believer, that in your course of ministering to them, that the most important thing, and that's why I said earlier, uh, Jesus in Mark, there was always a preaching of the kingdom of God. It says in Mark 1 verse 15, right off the top, it says the as he began ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit, it says, the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In that very first chapter, there's five, I think there's five different instances that are marked where he is, uh, their healing is, is coming. One, one incident after another. And some were like the entire day, like they came to him. And the, his, it says his fame spread very quickly to the point by the end of the chapter, I think, or beginning of chapter 2, it says that he couldn't even come into the towns because there wasn't room. They would come by the thousands into wherever he was. And there, well, there wasn't room in a, in a small town, you know, to fit all the people. So he would go stay outside of the town and minister outside town because there wasn't room. And they came to him because of the healing uh, that, that he brought. And the very first thing he did, one of the, the, the first things that are mentioned is the one that was uh, a demon oppressed and uh, possessed that was interrupting. And, and so there was a rebuking of the demon. And uh, this man was set free from demonic influence. And they, they marveled said, wow, even the demons listen to what he says. We have the same power and opportunity, always with the message of the gospel. Now, let me just tell, uh, tell you that there is one sin, or there is a, a sin that allows for a foothold and is very detrimental to uh, the believer and unbeliever. And um, in the Lord's Prayer... It says in, in Matthew 6, verse 12, it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I remember as a kid learning it. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The, the area that we will have torment in, mentally and emotionally, comes as a result of unforgiveness. And one of the things that you may have to deal with when you're ministering to others is, depending on what they're saying or, or you might discern, that the, the individual does, is, has much torment. And so part of it is to, to uh, it may be revealed to you, or you can ask, hey, listen, uh, especially if they're being plagued emotionally, mentally and emotionally. 
they've allowed, some of it is, yeah, for on their own part, the unforgiveness. But one of the things that it, it mentions in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about anger and how long should you hold on to anger? How long should you hold on to anger? You need to get rid of your anger before the sun goes down. And it says in that passage in Ephesians 4, it talks about the fact that if you don't, if you don't get things right, and how, how long do, do we at times hold on to things? We're talking days, weeks, months, years. And there's a torment, there's a plaguing if there's no forgiveness. We have unforgiveness. And so there's a torment. In Matthew chapter 18, the Lord gives a parable of, of the man that owed much. And he was forgiven. And then he went and he grabbed the servant that owed him a day's wages, grabbed him by the neck, and he says, if you don't pay up, and he went back, went, got back to the master, and the master says, you wicked servant, I forgave you everything, and you couldn't forgive the servant. And so he was put in a prison, and there was a, there was a torment. There was, he was talking about unforgiveness. I forgave you everything, and we need to recognize the Lord took all our sins upon himself, that we, there should be forgiveness. We need to forgive those that have wronged us. So unforgiveness is one area that uh, people will struggle. In fact, Matthew 6, 14, and 15, this is after teaching uh, the disciples, on, this is how you can pray. He, he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your fa heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So it is critical, if, as believers, if you're ministering to a believer and you're recognizing a person is in torment, say, do you, do you have a problem or have you ha have unforgiveness towards somebody that's wronged you? Is there any unforgiveness? Because it, it, will, it will impact you emotionally. So to be at peace emotionally. And part of it has to do with not just peace with the other person. It's also, I don't have peace with God because I haven't forgiven my brother or sister, whether they're believers or unbelievers, doesn't matter. I haven't forgiven them. And so my Father in heaven can't forgive me because I'm hanging on to unforgiveness. I need to deal with it, all right? In Hebrews 12, verse 12, it says, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So when your hands hang down and your, your, your feeble knees, like, oh. You're just weighed down. Make straight paths for your feet, so what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So there's a, a losing out when we don't deal with the issues, and some of them are from way back. Lord, forgive me. Maybe I, I had someone, yeah, the, the person they had, uh, that had wronged them was already dead, but there was still a bitterness and a resentment. Lord, I need to forgive them. Unforgiveness, there needs to, it needs to be dealt with uh, so that we can have peace. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. 
He wants us to have peace. Praise God. So if unforgiveness is the problem, the person needs to forgive the person that's wronged them. For forgiveness does not mean they have to reestablish relationship with them, but they must forgive them or their own sins cannot be forgiven by God. It's a serious thing. So, um, one of the things, especially at church, or even not, even if you're, we're not at church, you can call on the elders and or myself and for them to come and pray for you. Has anybody ever had an elder come to their house or are they call on the elder to come to their house and pray? Okay, a few. All right. You know what? It's... It's, it's on you. Oftentimes, I'm going to people's house. So I have tomorrow, I'm going to somebody's house because they have called for me to be there. Can you come and pray for us? And I, these are young believers, and I thank God for that. Hey, pastor, come and pray for us. So I'm going there, and I'm going to be praying for, for them, young believers. And they're doing what the Lord says, hey, to call on the elders and uh, that they would anoint with oil. So if it's at church here, you see that here at church, we have opportunity. If, may I say this, if at church there's not a time for prayer during the service, you know, a lot of times there are, sometimes there aren't. For goodness sake, don't you leave. If you have uh, this deep need or you need prayer or you want to pray for somebody else, for goodness sake, nap somebody that you know to pray for you. Or come to me, come to one of the elders, and, and have them pray for you. If it's an elder, yeah, let them say, hey, can you anoint me with oil? If it's not an elder, can someone that is not an elder pray for the sick? Yes, we started off with that. Just, you just have to believe in the gospel, of, and the gospel is the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross to take care of all the different things, as we read in Isaiah 53, every aspect of our, our existence, to pray for them. You can pray, Lord, heal in these areas. So the, the thing that I want to try to get across to you is that our ministry, that it would be a broad thing of the full gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every aspect of our existence taken, is taken care of Jesus. We can minister that to somebody, if somebody's not saved, that you minister to them, share the gospel, bring them to Christ. If Jesus isn't Lord in their life, let them, hey, you need to, you, you haven't surrendered. You're hanging on to sins in your life. You're not submitting. You're being disobedient to the word of God. No wonder you're having issue. Or you, you, you're struggling with loving the Lord and loving others and being a witness to them in, in who you are as a believer. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You pray for them. In Jesus' name, Lord, fill, the, baptize them in your spirit in Jesus' name. You, have, you can pray for others. And in this case, this, this last thing of, of, for healing, every part of a person's existence taken care of. So, I started off with this passage, yeah. We can pray for the sick. We lay hands on them, and they will recover. They will recover. It may not be an instant healing. It could be. 
It may, it may not be, but they will recover as we believe in Jesus' name, as we believe in the gospel, what he did, and in his name, that is where there is healing that comes. Now, there was a passage where in Acts chapter 3, there was the lame man. He was lame from birth. He could not walk. He never walked in his life. And so he was always at the, at the, on, the, on the Solomon's porch, and he's begging. And you know, you know the story. As Peter and John went by, Peter says, look, hey, look at me. So he's like this. He's just holding on. He, if anybody just gives something, that's, that's oftentimes you see people that are begging or whatever. They don't even look up. They might have a cup. Just put something in. Peter says, look at me. Look at me. Silver and gold I don't have. What I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, there is something that he did because a lot of people don't have the faith to get up and walk. Especially, he's never walked in his life. Are you kidding me? I don't even know what to do. So Peter reached out his hand, took him, and he helped him up. And the man, the, it says he began to, to walk and he, to begin to leap and praise God. And there were thousands that came because they knew the man. He'd been there for years, for decades. They knew the man. Hey, isn't that Mikey? There's Mikey. He's, he's, he's walking. He's jumping around. He's like, what happened? And there was this, this opportunity to share the gospel. There were thousands that were saved because one person got healed. Thousands got saved because one person got healed. And Peter and John, they preached the gospel. Peter preaches. And he says in Acts 3.16, this it's a good 3.16 to remember, another one. And his name, his, uppercase H, his name, Jesus, through faith in his name has made this man strong. Because you're saying, hey, don't you look at us as if it was us that, that did the healing. We did not do the healing. And this is, and sometimes you say, oh, I have faith to believe. No, no, you need to have faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. I have faith in his name. His name is above all names. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. You've, you've known him. Yes, the faith which comes through him, through Jesus, has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. To have soundness. To be healed. Can we do that? Yeah. We need to start to do that. In these last days, I just heard somebody shared a testimony. Maybe it'll come to me before the end. But, oh, I know. This happened in Manila. This man of God that was back, I guess he was born in the, the, the 20s or 30s or something like that. Anyways, he's in Manila, and I don't know, you could probably Google it and look it up, but this 17-year-old this girl was in a prison and was being plagued by, by demons. And so what happened, what, what, what happened was 
uh, all of a sudden, she'd be sitting, she'd be sitting there. Next thing there is she'd start screaming, and there would be bite marks all over her body. Literal bite marks to the point where she's bleeding. And it's like nobody's there. And so they, they tried to, to do all the different things, doctors and whatever. They came in, and they're trying to assess. And there were, there were people literally that were, uh, had, had come in to try to, to set her free or whatever that had died within a few days of, of ministering or ministering to this girl, a 17-year-old girl. This is in the Philippines in Manila. And so they, they were scared. This is in the newspapers. And so this, this man who was there in Manila, believer, the Lord said to him, and this, Manila is a big city. Like we're talking millions. It's the capital city of the Philippines. It's a big city. And the Lord came to this man and said, hey, listen, can you go and uh, you're going to go and pray? He says, I don't want to go and pray. <laughs> I don't want to go. He says, I want you to go. Well, the Lord sent somebody else. He says, and the Lord said to him, there's nobody else to send. Nobody else wants to go. I want you to go. He says, I, well, I, I really don't want to go. And, but anyways, after this back and forth, he went. And he, he had to go. He says, well, how am I going to get into the jail? How am I going to get in? Because I can't just walk in. He's, so he said he knew this, this big architect that, had, uh, that knew, was dealing with the city and was dealing with the, the mayor. And um, so he knew uh, the mayor, this architect. So he says, well, I know the architect, so I can get a way in to the mayor. And so he got in to the office of the mayor, and he's busy and whatever. And the, the basically, there's other people there, and he's having to sign this stack of paper of this and that and whatever. He's signing all these papers. And uh, so they were there for a while, and, and the, the architect said, hey, you know, whatever the mayor's name was, Mr. Mayor, uh, can, can we talk to you? And he's just ignoring them. And finally, he says, I have somebody here that can, that can heal this, this girl that's in prison. I guess her name was known already. And right away, he stopped. He looked up. He says, what? He can, he can do that? Okay, I'm going. Let's go right now. So, so the man says, no, no, you know, it's already late. It took hours to come across the city or whatever. And uh, tomorrow, I'm going to go. We're going to go tomorrow. So the next day, they went. And basically, uh, in Jesus' name, you demon, leave this girl alone. Left the girl, and she was completely set free. And uh, because of one miracle, one miracle, there was 150,000 people that got saved as a result of that. Basically, he was given free reign to say, the mayor says, you want to, uh, he says, I, there's a few things I need from you. I said, he says, I need for you to, to sign some papers for, for my ministry to to." to do some uh, work. Some, I need some permits signed for work, uh, for building. He says, signed, signed. So he had this big uh, hanger, bomber hanger or something that, uh, that he wanted uh, to have work done for their ministry. And then also to be able to have service. There was 50, 60, 70,000 people coming at, at different points to hear the gospel. And over the course of a short period of time, 150,000 people got saved in the city of Manila. So, sometimes the healing is 
for the Lord to do a work so that people can uh, have salvation come to them, which I believe that the Lord wants to do through us in these last days. I want you, Lord, strengthen my faith in what you did for me on the cross your, and your name, that my faith in your name would increase, that I would just know you are able. And the cool thing is, listen, it's not you having enough faith to heal the person. Let me read this passage again. Acts 3.16, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. So it wasn't Peter's faith. It was, or it was his faith in Jesus' name through faith in his name. My faith is in Jesus, in his name, what he's done. This has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Jesus has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So your faith is not, I need enough faith to heal a person. No, no, no. My faith needs to go back to Jesus. Just be on Jesus. My faith is on him to do the work of healing. He does the healing, not us. All right? I had a question about somebody that I thought, Lord, this person, how can they have ministry? We're talking 100,000, 150,000, and uh, finding out later the, the wickedness of this person. And yet the Lord used them. I said, Lord, how does that work? How can a person have these hidden sins, and yet you honor, basically there is an honoring of the gospel, and there is an honoring of his name that goes beyond us. And so here, there's been people that, 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 that are ministering that, man, their own life's a mess at times or are hidden. I... I I can't believe we, we just had somebody last year that passed away and, and all these things came out. I used to listen to this guy and his apologetics. I'm saying, oh, are you serious? Oh, and yet the Lord was able to work through these individuals, even though they were flawed. Lord, let there not be anything in my life that would, would bring dishonor to your name. But Lord, I, let my faith be in your name and who you, your name is all about who you are and what you did for us on the cross. To take care for those that need to be healed, to be healed. Okay, one other thing that I want to talk about, and then we'll close off. Financial. By there is peace, or the chastisement for our peace was upon him, even for our finances. Just one thing about uh, financial issues. For the unbeliever, I would definitely talk to them when it comes to finances. I would talk to them about Jesus Christ and, and salvation. The Lord wants to do work of healing in your finances. But for the believer, you can ask this question. If they're struggling, say, I need finances. You can ask them and you can say, you don't have to answer me. You don't have to answer me. It's between you and the Lord, and this is this. This is from Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, this is a, a monologue between God and himself. He's asking questions, and he's answering the questions. 
So chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, is God speaking, asking questions, and answering the questions. If you ever have a chance, it's not a very long book, read it. Chapter 3, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Not just you, but the whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that you there will not be room enough to receive it. You need to tithe. Of everything that the Lord has given us, everything that the Lord has given us, he's saying tithe. You say, what is the tithe? Tithe is one-tenth. Tithe. I want to open the windows of heaven, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So the enemy comes and he robs here, he robs there, he robs there, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I've said this in the past. You say, you say well, you know what, Pastor? You're, you're just saying that because you want the money here in the, in the storehouse. You know what? I would dare you say, then don't tithe here. Tithe at another church then. Wherever. I know it's not right. Who said that? You tithe where, where you're fed, but just so you know, I you know what? I, like I say, the only people that I know that that tithe and that is is our elders because it's a prerequisite. I don't know who tithes in the church, but I do know this: man, for the most part, our church is blessed. Uh, and I'm not, when I say church, I talk to people. I'm talking people. The people of the church are blessed, and the things that we can do as a, as a church. I just say, thank you, Lord. And so you say, Pastor, do you tithe? You better believe I tithe. I, Julie and I, tithe. And it says, you rob me because of your tithes and offerings. You say, well, what's an offering? An offering is anything beyond a tithe is an offering. You say, Pastor, do you give offerings? Yep. Some into the church, some not even into the church. Some of them are directly here. I want to help this person. I want to help that person. And the Lord blesses. The Lord blesses. He says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven that you will not have enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer, the one that comes to steal from you. I'll rebuke, rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, your labors, the things that you work. You shall the Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will say, you are blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. One of the things that we can do, I love 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. It says, if, you are, if we are co-laborers together with him, we become his field and his building. If we labor together with the Lord, Lord, some, maybe some of the tithes and offerings of my time. Lord, that I would do what, you would, what you've called me to do. So many people, they, 
they've been entrusted something and they bury it. It's like oh, the gifts that you have. Oh, my goodness, use them for the Lord. You've got gifts. Use them. As a pastor, my thing is to facilitate you using your gifts. I want, I want you to use the gifts that you have. Hallelujah. So, um, financial. Just uh, before the, you get even the answers, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Not to see the cup as half em empty. Ah, it's half empty. No, it's always the negative. No, I will rejoice. Lord, thank you for being with me in the hardest of times. Thank you. You are with me. I am not alone. You are not going to leave me nor forsake sake me. I, you are with me. You will see me through this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness or your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. You know what? There are times where I, I, I think back and say, ah, ah, I didn't like how I, I, I was in this situation. I didn't like the way I, my, how I came across or my, my behavior or my character or my attitude or my thoughts. I, don't, I didn't like that. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Meekness, strength, vel steel covered in velvet. Meekness, a strength. Strength, truth on the middle, grace around the outside. Lord, let me be more like you. That's, that's what my, my prayer is. Lord, that, I, that our, my moderation, my gentleness be known to all men. Because the Lord is at hand. He can take care of this. Right now I'm in the, in the middle of something, and it's like, this is huge. The outcome of this is huge. I can't get into details. But I'm just saying, you, you pray. You pray for ministry, for the sake of ministry. That there would be a ministry done by us, by this church especially, onto the Lord. Let us, let us be, you know, it's not like we're, I'm saying, hey, you know, what kind of person are you? And man, you've got, man, you've got a nasty background. Whew. You've got a long ways to go before the Lord's going to work in your life or work through your life. My thing is, man, you've given your life to Jesus. I don't, I don't need to know all the details of the past. I know that the Lord has an amazing plan that is specific for you, regardless of your past, because you've been forgiven. You've grabbed a hold of him. Lord, use me. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So even before the answers come, I would say, let there be a praise that goes up. And that's why I want you to be here next Thursday. It's a, at first it was like, hey, this is going to be a, a time of prayer. There, there will be some time of prayer. But the, the, it's a celebration of what the Lord is going to do on the Saturday when there are thousands of people there at Safari Niagara and have opportunity to come and hear the Lord or hear of the Lord, to hear the gospel, to have opportunity to get saved. You come next Thursday, and if you can, bring somebody to uh, Safari Niagara. Say, hey, let's go to the zoo. Let's go see some monkeys and... 
lions or whatever must hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I know it's a little bit longer today. Can I just, can I, let's just stand. The book of Chronicles, Second Chronicles, had like three, three verses. The Kings, the book of Kings had an 11 verses on Hezekiah and his situation, the sickness. We're talking about healing today. But Isaiah 38 has an entire chapter that is just for Hezekiah and this situation of healing. Even to the point, so the first nine verses is, is pretty well the same, almost word for word in Isaiah and in Second uh, Kings 20. But Isaiah 38 continues on in verse 9 and says, This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. This is what he wrote. It's almost like it's a song. And it says, I said, this is Hezekiah, I said, in the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. Back then, we're talking Hades. That's where, where paradise was because the cross hadn't happened yet. So there was a part of, of Hades that, that where the righteous dead went. And he says, I, in the prime of my life, 39 years of age, I'm deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, Yahweh, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. The influence that I could have as a king, I'm not going to experience this. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent, just gone. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. From the day until night, you, you make an end of me. Just in one moment, in one day, everything is gone. I'm going to die. I have considered until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones from day until night. You make an end of me. This, this phrasing implies that, man, I, I did mess up. I can't believe I messed up like a lion. I was puffed up and proud. And this is what I've accomplished. And he's, there's this, this thing of remorse. Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I'd mourn like a dove. My eyes fell from looking upward. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. And he, so he's humbling himself in this, this song, in this, this psalm. And he's saying, undertake for me. You undertake for me. There's nothing that I can do, and I place myself at your mercy and grace, Lord. You undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. In other words, the Lord has taken care. He has spoken to me. Healing. You're going to have life another 15 years. And in these 15 years, I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul, and the things that, that man, I, where I messed up. Oh, Lord, by these things men live. And in all these things is the life of my spirit, so you will restore me and make me live. We may fail, but the Lord brings life. Indeed, it was my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption for you have cast all my sins be behind your back. So he's not only recognizing the fact of his pride, but he's also recognizing his sin. And it's cast behind your back. You have taken care of it. 
My good works couldn't save me, but you have delivered me. What you did for me, and you have saved me. For the Sheol cannot thank you, death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. So Hezekiah is speaking about what of that which we can and should do while we are living. He says, when you're dead, you know, it's, it's yeah, there's a completeness about it. But here, while you are living, do what is right. The living, the living man, he shall praise you. As I do this day, the Father shall make known your truth to the children. Lord, that I would speak life to my children, to my family. The Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. This was a song that, that was, he was saying, this will be sung in the house of the Lord. This, what I have written, will be sung in the house of the Lord. And then Isaiah said, as this song ends, let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil. The boil was almost representative of, of this thing of sin being so detrimental in his life. And there, there's this thing of, hey, the word of the Lord is, let there be a healing. I'm going to take care of that, and he shall recover. There shall be a recovering of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Basically, the sign is the sign of the power of God to, to add life to us. To say, let the, the, the sun move back 10 degrees. Let the, the, the shade uh, that is cast on this dial, uh, let it go back 10 degrees. In three days, you will be in the house of the Lord. Everything taken care of. Listen. We need to minister Jesus to others. You, in the power of who Jesus is, what he's already accomplished, has already been done, by stripes we were healed. We are healed. It's been done and it's been accomplished. In Jesus' name, you have the authority to speak healing to those that are sick. Let it be done. Lord, we just thank you tonight. We thank you tonight for your tremendous word. Lord, we thank you for the entrusting of us with ministry. Lord, even as you called your disciples, Lord, you could have spoken a word and everything would have been changed in a, in a twinkling of an eye. And yet, because of free will, the free will of man, Lord, you included others as well to take part in the joy of ministry. And Lord, I just pray that, that uh, even as you at this time, 2,000 years later, you are saying, I want to work through you. Not just on you, I want to work through you. Rivers of living water flowing from you to minister to those that don't have life, those that are sick, those that are whatever area of sickness it is. Lord, that healing would come. We can speak healing. And Lord, I pray you will pour out your spirit. There would be a boldness about us to use your name that is above all names. And in the name of Jesus and by faith in his name, Lord, you are the one that is able to do the works. I pray we will step out for every area, not just say, well, I can only do this, I can only do that. No, Lord, you want us to deal with every aspect of detriment in a person's life through the gospels, the good news of Jesus. Let it be. 
Let it be in Jesus' name. I just thank you for my dear brothers and sisters here tonight. Bless them, anoint them, cover them, work on them, work through them, that your name would receive all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.